0: Uh, Welcome to those of you who are joining us in our chapel down at our Minnetonka campus and online as well. It's great to be with you. Uh, My name is Dan Thorson. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Calvary. Uh, This is our second week in a new series called Share. We are wanting to challenge ourselves uh, to Recognize that we are called to be on mission for God. We're called to be a blessing. It's a theme that's carried throughout Scripture, Old Testament into the New Testament, uh, and we want to be focused outwards uh, to recognize that hey, God has a calling. He has a purpose uh, that He is wanting me to extend and share His love and the message message of Jesus uh, to the people in our lives. And we're basing this series off of this book. Uh, it's called Bless. Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. It's by a couple of pastors, Dave and John Ferguson. And I just want you to know, I really like it. I really do. Uh, Hopefully that's obvious because we're doing a series on it. Uh, But uh, if you have any interest in just digging a little deeper, even beyond our series, I encourage you to check it out. If you want to come look at this um, after the service, you can. Uh, But this is an organic evangelism methodology. It's relational, which I really appreciate. It doesn't demand that we change our lives. It demands that we change our perspective. Uh, It doesn't ask us to go out and find people that we don't know necessarily, but rather to begin to see the people that we already know that God is calling us to engage with and relate to. And one of the best things about this strategy, and one of the reasons that I appreciate it so much, is that it really encourages us to value the people in our lives, and the people that we feel God is calling us to bless, as people, and not just to treat them as a project. This strategy, this goal of sharing our faith, helps us to intentionally value the people more than the process. It encourages us to care about who we're ministering to, not just what message we're trying to communicate. Last week, Pastor Zach started this series uh, with the first step in sharing our faith, this acronym BLESS. And the B uh, is begin with prayer. And the way that I understand this and what's helpful for me is that prayer is really a way for us to align our thoughts and our emotions and our intentions with God. We become aligned with God's heart. And so we're inviting God into our lives, as they are, into our everyday spaces at home and at work. And we're saying, God, I want to be open to you using me. It's as simple as that. We're we're praying every day saying, God, who in my life are you calling me to be a blessing to? And that's where we begin in this journey of sharing the love of Jesus and sharing our faith. Now, what's the second step? Well, maybe after praying, it makes sense that, hey, this is the part where we communicate the gospel. That we tell a story, we share a testimony, we point people to scripture and the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us. But it's actually not. The second step isn't to speak. It's actually to listen Look at this wisdom shared by Jesus' brother, James. This is a, a, a book in the New Testament, uh, and this is what James says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think this can be applied to evangelism, to sharing our faith, to wanting people to know about the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus, is that we can actually be quick to listen and slow to speak, which maybe seems contradictory, maybe seems like the opposite of what we should do. But I know that for me, I'm the opposite. Uh, When I'm engaging in relationships and I'm talking with people, I tend to be slow to listen and quick to speak, and I bet that is true for a lot of you. It's a very common problem We all encounter this in various ways in our lives. We witness it all the time on the political stage, for example, people who are quick to speak and slow to listen. But I think that we experience it all the time in our families, in our friend groups, at work. And this is especially the case when we're communicating and talking with someone that we really disagree with, right? Or if we're talking about something that we think is so important, we are quick to speak slow to listen. We want to be heard far more frequently than we want other people to be heard. We value our opinion more than we value the opinions of others. We want to be acknowledged and understood more than we want somebody else to feel acknowledged and understood. And I think that when we frame it that way, we can actually see that listening is a really powerful act of love. It's a way of honoring people because we're showing that we value them, that they matter. Not just to the degree that not just to the degree that they agree with us or that they're like us, but they matter just for who they are as a person made in the image of God. Now, Jesus demonstrates the the power and the love of listening in this encounter with a Blind Beggar in Luke 18. And this is sort of the passage that we're going to be focusing on this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up uh, to the Gospel of Luke or on your phones or tablets. If you have a Bible app, you can turn there. And we're going to kind of be revisiting this passage throughout the message. So Luke 18, starting in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, He asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. The people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you, Lord? Lord, he said, I want to see And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. All right, so what we see in this story is that where everybody else wanted to silence the blind man, Jesus listened to him. And what's interesting is that Jesus didn't immediately assume what this guy wanted. He didn't start having a predetermined uh, statement of theological facts uh, that he wanted to lead this person through. He simply asked him questions. What do you need? What do you want me to do for you? He listened. And the thing is, when we listen, and I mean truly listen... We're bringing dignity to someone, we're communicating to them that hey, you matter. We're telling people that their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences are worth hearing and worth acknowledging. Listening doesn't mean we always agree, but it means that our priority is to understand someone, that we want them to feel loved and to feel valued when we're not just trying to make them agree with us. There's this really convicting line in this book that we're basing this series off of, and it says this, the opposite of listening isn't speaking. It's waiting to speak. This is me, to a T. Uh, I don't know how frequent it is that I'm in conversations, especially around things that I really care about, uh, but sometimes just even things that don't matter at all. But when someone's talking to me, I'm formulating and thinking about what I want to say next. I'm not listening. I can be a much better listener, and I bet uh, that you all can too. And so for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to be kind of going through this passage from Luke 18, and there are a few steps I believe that we can take to become better listeners. And when we do become better listeners, we're actually going to be equipped to communicate the love of God more effectively to the people that God is calling us to bless. All right, so we're going to become better listeners this morning. And the first step is to give our full attention. In verse 40 of Luke 18, it says, When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. Jesus stopped everything. He stopped walking. He set aside his priorities, his agenda. Whatever he was doing, whatever his destination was, he set it aside. He tuned out the crowd and everyone else around him, and he gave his full attention to the one person that God was calling him to bless. And this is really hard to do. I mean, how frequently uh, are you in a restaurant and you see people talking while looking at their phones? Or how often are you at home and your spouse or your kids are coming to talk to you and you're also watching TV at the same time? We all, we all do this so so frequently. We are so focused on the task at hand, on what's keeping us busy, on what we're wanting to pay attention to that we actually don't give people the attention and the focus that they need. And the, And the thing is, this gets in the way of all sorts of things because... I think we all have good intentions and we, on principle, want to be available to God. We want to say, hey God, yeah, I know that you probably want me to bless some people throughout my day, that you're calling me to share your love and be open to to sharing the gospel and letting people know about uh, who you are and what you've done for us. But at the same time, we're so busy and we're so set on whatever agenda that we have That we don't even notice the needs around us. We don't even notice the opportunities that maybe God is providing for us. I get this way even with my kids. Um, I really enjoy listening to podcasts and audiobooks, so it's not uncommon uh, for you to find me in my house while I'm doing chores or even kind of halfway playing with my kids. I'll have an earbud in Um, because I'm I'm listening to something. And this has happened countless times. Uh, Either my kids are screaming their heads off because they got hurt or they're bugging each other too much, Um, or they're actually coming to me because they're wanting me to play with them or they're wanting my attention, and it takes me quite a while to respond to their needs. Or I get a little irritated and agitated because they're interrupting what I am ultimately wanting to do. And I'm realizing that when I do that, I'm communicating something to my kids. I'm telling them that they aren't worth my full attention, that their needs don't matter that much, or that their dad is too distracted to fully attune to them, to love them, and to give them the affection and attention that they're asking for. I don't want to communicate that. I want to be fully present to them. And so I know that I need to apply this step. I need to stop. I need to take out my earbud. And I need to give them my full attention. And the thing is, when I do, I can tell that they feel loved. They they soak in that full attention when, when I'm giving them what they need: the affection, the love, the care and they receive from me what they need. David Augsburger, a pastor and author, wrote this in one of his books: "Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable." Listening is a way that we love people. It's a, it's a way that we're opening ourselves up to be a blessing. We're being willing to be used by God. But if we want to do that more effectively, we have to learn to stop and give people our full attention. That's the first step. The second step is that we need to start asking questions. In verses 40 through 41 it says, As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? You see, when we are too quick to speak, when we are too quick to share our own opinion, our own advice, our own constructive criticism, we often are doing that regardless of whether or not we know if the person wants it, right? We just have an agenda. We have a priority. And so we give people what we think they need instead of finding, giving them the opportunity to tell us what they need or what they want from us. See, Jesus exemplifies in this story and many other times throughout his ministry that he gives people what they need and he responds only when they give him permission to do so. It's really, really fascinating. And I think that we would save ourselves a lot of relational conflict and a lot of personal disappointment in a lot of areas in life, not just when it comes to sharing our faith, if in our efforts to bless people and share the love of God with them, we would set aside our own opinions and our own advice and our desire to fix things and we would just start asking more questions. We would be inquisitive and we would be curious. You know, when we really want to know someone and understand them and we express that through curiosity, it's received as love. This is received as an act of care. See, questions don't just need to be a means to an end. A lot of different evangelism strategies I've, I've heard, that's all it is. You ask a question because you're trying to get somebody to a certain point so that you can finally tell them what you think. But we don't need to do that. Getting to know someone for the sake of getting to know them is an end in and of itself. And this is, again, why I appreciate this evangelism method from this book so much. Because it consistently helps us understand that people matter. And they're not just projects. People are worth knowing and worth loving, period. Regardless of whether or not they agree with us or not. Or regardless of whether or not our interactions with them lead to a certain kind of conversation, or a certain point that we can finally make. Of course we want to share our faith. We want to be available to God for those opportunities to give a reason for hope and to point to Jesus, but we don't need to force it. And to me that takes a lot of pressure off of this idea of sharing our faith and spreading the gospel. Uh, Barna is a respected research group. They study church and cultural trends and they did a study in 2019 where they were trying to determine for an unbeliever what characteristics are they looking for in a person with whom they'd be willing to have a conversation about faith. And this is what they found. So these are the two characteristics that your neighbors want to see from you if they're going to be willing to have a faith conversation, okay? Number one, listen without judgment. And number two, someone who will allow them to draw their own conclusions. Now, again, I think these, these two characteristics transcend just faith conversations and this idea of sharing our faith and evangelism. I think this is what people want in a friend. This relates to all sorts of topics. It could be about marriage, about parenting, about interior design, about exercise habits, and to more divisive things. Some political position or something going on in our world or an ethical principle that we really, really care about. People look for these two characteristics when they're looking for somebody who they'd actually be willing to have a conversation with. Asking questions and being curious about who someone is and what their experiences are, why they think the way they do, without feeling the need to correct them or give them our two cents or tell them why we think they're wrong, is an incredibly powerful act of love. And it's actually this foundation of trust and love and relational stability and trust that people have in us that actually creates the foundation for the gospel and our faith to be shared more effectively. Years ago, I I was working for a landscaping company and worked with a a bunch of different guys. Most of them weren't Christians, but they all knew that I was. And one of the guys in particular, he was our our foreman, uh, he sort of had an antagonistic disposition towards me and faith. And he would make snide little comments and try to get under my skin a little bit or he'd say something kind of shocking and kind of look at me just to kind of see what I was going to do. Um, and thankfully, I, I didn't you know, get too defensive or, or react uh, strongly. And we developed a, a good, joking, working relationship. Well, a few months into uh, working there, um, after one of our jobs was done, he came up to me And he straight up told me, he said, Dan, the last few months I've been testing you. Because in his experience of people of faith, of Christians, was that he found that with just a little bit of prodding, a little bit of poking, he could evoke a response from them that wasn't loving and that made him believe that they didn't really believe what they said they did. And he says, but you've shown me enough that you actually believe what you say. And he said, so tell me. I was like, oh, not really (laughs) ready for that, (laughs) but okay. And so we sat in my car, and for two hours we had a conversation about faith, about life, about what's meaningful, about God, about my experience, his experience. Now, this didn't end with him giving his life to Jesus in that moment, but he let me pray for him. But what was profound to me about this experience is that it, it, it was built on this relationship of trust, and he's the one that invited me to share. I didn't have to insert myself in an uncomfortable or awkward way. I, I built that relational trust. And it was really, really powerful. And Jesus does the same thing. In verse 41, as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. See, by giving our full attention to people and by asking, or sorry, by giving his full attention to this man and by asking him a question, Jesus is giving dignity and autonomy to a person that in the first century wouldn't have any, a blind beggar, would not have been given that sort of value by normal people. And Jesus is honoring him by asking him questions. He's not assuming what he needs. He's not assuming what he thinks. He's, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And he's allowing this man the dignity of telling Jesus. And only then does he Respond. And this isn't the only instance where Jesus does this. He actually even does it for people that don't agree with him or reject him. I think of the story of the the rich young ruler. Someone comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, Sell all your stuff and follow me. And the guy walks away. Jesus doesn't chase him, he doesn't argue with him, he doesn't try to control him. He gives him that dignity of allowing him to come to his own conclusions. And we can do the same thing in our relationships. Even when it's hard. Even when people don't agree with us. It can be really difficult to bite our tongues and keep our opinions to ourselves when we think that what we have to say is so important. But I want us to understand that we aren't truly treating people with love when we try to fix them or force our opinion or position on them when we're not invited to do so. We don't need to feel like we have to control the people in our lives or to control a conversation in order to bring people to a certain conclusion. So whether it's with your grandkids, with your own children, with a family member, a friend, a coworker, the best way to love them and build a relationship of trust is to become a better listener. And you can do that by asking questions. We can ask questions. If we shouldn't always try to share our opinion, or if we shouldn't always try to share our thoughts or our faith, well, then what should we communicate? Shouldn't we have an agenda of what we should should say well this leads us to our third step in becoming a better listener. This should be our goal. This is our priority. We're going to communicate love. We're going to communicate the love of God. Now of course we want to share the gospel. Of course we want to be open to those opportunities when God leads and when we're invited to share our faith with people in our lives. But again the person in front of us and the relationship that we're building is worth it in and of itself regardless of any particular outcome. And it's actually valuing that relationship for what it is that builds a foundation for the gospel to be communicated more effectively and to be received more readily. I know that this is hard, but communicating love and care and keeping this as the priority rather than some other opinion or some other message is actually a practice of letting go It's an act of trust in God because we believe that God is the one at work. God is the one who cares about this person more than we do and we're just partnering with him in one small part of their journey. That we don't need to feel like we need to bring them all the way from point A to point C. Our job is to be available to God to say God I believe that you're calling me to bless this person and I want to do that in the best possible way. That's our goal. That is our ultimate priority. And we believe that God is at work with us in that process. We don't need to force a particular conversation. We don't need to interject our opinions at every possible moment. If our priority is to communicate love and to display that to people, we will share the gospel when God opens up that door. But communicating love means far more than that as well. It means that we're wanting them to know that we care about them, that we're grateful for their friendship, that we're honored that they're sharing their life with us, that we see them as a blessing, not just their potential, not just what we hope they will receive or how we hope they might become more like us. That's truly listening. See, these three steps we can all take them to become better listeners to the people in our lives. We can give people our full attention. We can start asking more questions because we actually want to know them. Again, not just to corner them so we can finally give them our peace of mind, right? And we can communicate love and care and our response to what they have to say. Now, I want to give you a a scenario where these sort of three steps play out. And again, we're primarily talking about sharing our faith, but this transcends that. These are good listening practices just for building relationships with people and communicating that we care and value them. So I want you to imagine for a, a minute that you have a family member that you disagree with vehemently about politics. It's not that hard to imagine, is it? Now, you've determined, because your church is going through this really phenomenal uh, sharing process um, with an acronym that's really applicable and practical called BLESS, that you want to bless them. And so you've begun with prayer and you've said, God, I I know you're you're calling me to to bless this family member, to care for them. I know that you love them so much and I care about them and I love them too and I, I just pray that you equip me and help me to communicate your love more effectively. And so you're positioning your heart with God, you're setting up your priorities, you're aligning your will with God's will, and then the next time you see this person, sure enough, they bring up their political convictions. And... In the past, this would grind your gears and it would make your blood boil and you would normally become combative and defensive and anytime they would talk, you would just be trying to formulate your next opinion because your goal isn't to love them, your goal is to make them more like you and so you're just trying to think of all the ways that you can compellingly argue with them. But not this time. This time you've determined to listen. And so you stop everything you're doing. You set your phone down. You relax, you try to shut off all those racing thoughts about what you're gonna say next and you just listen to them. And then instead of offering your opinion right away, instead of pointing out their inconsistencies or their hypocrisy, you ask questions. Because you actually genuinely care about them and you want to get to know them and you want to understand them. So maybe you ask something like this. I can hear that really matters to you. How did you start caring about that so much? Or how about this, I know that I haven't always treated you well in these conversations in the past, and I'm trying to get better. Is there anything else you can tell me that would help me understand your position more? You start asking questions, and after that, your priority isn't to communicate a prescribed message that you thought about three days before because you're like, ooh, this is really going to own them, and I'm going to tell them my peace of mind. No, you've determined I'm going to communicate the love of God. And so you say something like, thank you for sharing that. Or, it's really meaningful to me that we can have these conversations. Or, hey, I'm gonna think about what you've said more. And that's it. You're not manipulating the conversation to finally get that platform or that space to communicate your own opinion. The goal isn't for them to ultimately agree with you or to realize that they're wrong, the goal is to listen and to help them feel loved and cared for. Now, how might this family member respond to you? Now, to be fair, the first time, they might feel really manipulated because you've never responded this way before. But over time, and if you created a pattern of this, I hope that they would feel like they could let their guard down. That they would feel like, wow, this person's actually genuinely interested in me and curious about me, and wow, they value me more than whether or not we agree. They'd feel disarmed. And over time, they might start trusting you because you're treating them as a person, not just a project. And this might actually lead them to the point where they invite you to share what you think and what your thoughts are and what your opinion is or what your advice might be. And in many cases, these are the opportunities that we can also share our faith and our reasons for hope and the message of Jesus. So as we take up God's call to share his love and make disciples, let's do it by building relationships through listening. Listening with attentive care where we stop what we're doing and we give people our full attention. Let's listen with honor by asking people questions and not demanding that they come to our conclusions. And let's listen with love by communicating our care and our appreciation for them without needing to correct them, admonish them, or fix them when we're not invited to. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you want to use us to bless the people in our lives. God, we're humbled that you want to use us to communicate your love, your goodness, and your grace. And God, we pray that you help us do that by becoming better listeners, by setting aside our pride, our agendas, our opinions, and truly valuing the people That you have called us to bless by listening to them, asking them questions, and communicating your love for them with caring words. And we ask that you create opportunities for us to share your love in this way and to bless people with the message of hope that we have in you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.